Hey, and welcome to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. At Cows, we like to keep things simple. We are committed to verse-by-verse teaching through the Bible to help people know, love, and become fully committed followers of Jesus. It is our prayer and hope that this message challenges, encourages, and equips you to that end. Acts chapter 16. We'll just read the first 10 verses. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken by, of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him to be circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia by the Spirit But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Afternoon, breaker, breaker. Yep. Okay, nice warm afternoon, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Well, you're not half asleep already, are you? <laughs> I'll try. I'll try and keep you awake. Okay, we are in Acts chapter 16. We are motoring through, and um, yeah, I don't know how many months we've been on it now. When did we actually start? Nobody can remember, okay. <laughs> February? Okay, yeah, we probably go going next February as well. But, um, yeah, so I just want to excuse uh, my spelling mistakes, okay? So if any school teachers there, please excuse me, homeschool teachers. Um, yeah, well, please forgive me. Okay, to the ends of the earth is our um, theme that we've been running through. And uh, sticking with, and we'll stick it right through to the end, I can imagine, because that's what it's basically all about, the book of Acts. Um, But before I start, just let's pray and commit our time to the Lord in the word. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. We thank you for your goodness and your grace, and again for the amazing privilege we have to be seated here this afternoon to be listening to your word, to um, grow together, to encourage one another, uh, to um, learn from one another. So Lord, I pray as we study your word this afternoon through, through the continuing narrative of the book of Acts and the early church and the growth of the church, the persecution um, and the ongoing message going out to the ends of the earth. I pray, Father, that you would direct my heart, my mind, 
uh, keep us attentive and enable us, Lord, just to learn uh, and grow deeper into your love and grace today. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Okay, I'm knocking something here. Yep, all right, we'll see how we go. Okay, previously in Acts, so don't look at the spelling mistake there, okay? But uh, our theme today is looking for faithful people to disciple and being in tune to Holy Spirit's guidance. Okay, so previously in Acts, um, how do you summarise the last 16 chapters? Very difficult, so I've just got one-liners here and there. Um, so we had the ascension of Christ, the disciples waiting for the Holy Spirit. We saw the empowerment of Holy Spirit upon the believers. Um, then we saw the boldness of the disciples preaching God's word under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the amazing miracle of them speaking in other, in other languages so that the gospel could be clearly communicated. Uh, thousands were saved and baptized. The family of God is growing in number and in faith. Uh, the family of God is also now serving and giving and encouraging one another. That community is being, being um, built. Uh, through the disciples, the Holy Spirit is healing people. And healing and the other miracles that are taking place ultimately to bring salvation. Uh, the imprisonment and persecution of believers begins. Uh, the death of Ananias and Sapphira for lying to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the church growing through challenges. Uh, seven deacons were chosen to serve. Uh, Stephen stoning. Uh, Saul zealously persecuting the church. Saul then is miraculously converted on the road to Damascus. Uh, there was a warning on false prophets. And I haven't got everything in here, okay? I'm just very, very briefly summarizing. Uh, the Gentiles recognized and are equal before God. Everybody is saved by grace and grace alone. Uh, Peter's vision, confirming the gospel to the Gentiles. Barnabas seeks out Saul and mentors him. Uh, Peter's in prison, Herod eaten by worms. Uh, Saul and Barnabas sent out to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The gospel is preached also in synagogues. Uh, Paul stoned and then he's walked away, but he continues to share the gospel. And then the question is to be circumcised or not circumcised. The outcome, no circumcision. Paul and Barnabas have a difference of opinion about John Mark and then the separation of Paul and Mark, but the gospel goes further afield. So you can hear the theme running through. Yes, the Holy Spirit's working. The Holy Spirit is empowering people. But one of the, if I can say, one of the major themes running through the book of Acts is that the gospel will go out to the ends of the earth. So this passage of Scripture today reminds me a lot of our journey for Marie and I and as a family uh, way back in the, in the mid-80s or early 80s. The Lord had actually used verses 6 to 10, the Macedonian call as we know it, as part of those verses that we were reading and um, seeking the Lord in what's next for our life. So the Lord used those, these verses so... There'll be a few uh, bit of testimony in what I've got to share today as well. 
but we were a happily married family. Um, we lived in Lilydale, Victoria, had a small successful bricklaying business, had two cars, a house, two young boys at that stage. Dan, Dan wasn't even thought of. And then uh, had a beautiful long-haired German Shepherd. I still think about that dog. And uh, also planned to put an extension on the house uh, so we could have family stay with us because we just had a little two-bedroom place. Have an extension on it to have family and then have people that were coming in from ministry to stay with us as well. So that was the plan. Everything was going good. And then the Lord. You know that, that phrase, then the Lord. Um, he sent a mission representative uh, to speak at our church that we were attending. And uh, he just spoke about unreached people groups. He was with an organisation called New Tribes Mission back then. And he just came and spoke about how there are people in this world that have no access to the gospel. They've never heard the gospel. And they don't even have the scriptures in their language. So by God's spirit, he was speaking to us. And then we go, well, if God is asking us to do this, how do we get prepared? School teachers go to uni, doctors go to uni to get prepared. Um, people have to learn and be educated to go on into their field of their, their job, if you want to call that, call it that. So we talked to our church leadership about it. And then they helped us um, to search a place, search out a place that would uh, cater for the call that God was putting on our life so that we had accountability and we knew that we needed equipping for the ministry. So after some intense equipping, uh, the Lord, we were just asking the Lord, where do you want us to go? So at that stage, we were in what we call language school. We were learning how to learn a language, uh, teaching illiterate people how to read and write, things like that was all part of the, the language school. So Thailand was on the, on the cards then. So we thought, Thailand, yep. So we started writing to the field leadership there, uh, asking and millions of questions what it would be for us to go over there as a family. But then as we were going through language school, I discovered that I'm tone deaf. That's not, not a pun, okay? I am, I am tone deaf. So Thai is like, I think nearly all the languages in Thai are tonal. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, if the Lord confused all the languages, surely he can unconfuse it in my mind and I can pick up Thai. But anyway, cut a long story short, um, the Lord sort of took away the desire then to go to Thailand. We did, end, we did end up going in 1991, just taking a team over there to build a house. But um, even going over there, there was no desire to live there full time. It's not to say that the gospel didn't, didn't need to go out, particularly in the hill tribes there in northern Thailand. Anyway, so the Lord started changing our direction and we were saying, where to next, Lord? And then so... Again, cutting a long story short, we ended up in Panama. So uh, the other side of the world, like Thailand's a little bit closer, but then we ended up taking our three boys back then to uh, Panama. But the whole thing, even in the change, we felt the Lord's peace. We felt the Lord's presence. We felt accountable in the decision that we were making. Um, not that all our family members agreed, you know, when you're taking your grandkids away, it's a, it's a tough thing. And when they're non-believers, it's even harder to, to take them away. 
but we were, we were confident that this is what the Lord had for us as a family. So God used circumstances and events to steer us and to direct us. And so today we're going to hear about Paul and Barnabas, uh, Paul and Silas, and the team there and how God directs them uh, to, to Macedonia. Okay, verse 1. So we are, uh, the, the green line there, but you see Lystra, Derby over there. Yeah, that's, that's where we're going to be talking about initially. Then we'll be over there further west to, to Macedonia. So the scripture says this. Then they came, then he came to Derby, Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but the father was a Greek. So this is the start of Paul's second missionary journey. And he now teams up with Silas, heading further into uncharted areas where the gospel had not yet been proclaimed. And then we have Barnabas, he headed back to Cyprus. But I don't believe he would have just sat there and sat there quietly. He would have continued to share the good news. So in a sense, the, the split of Paul and Barnabas meant the extension of the word of God, of the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. And like Mick quoted from a verse last week in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You see, Paul and Barnabas still loved the Lord. They still believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the necessity for it to go out to the ends of the earth, even despite their differences. And then... Um, Part of the ministry that we're involved with in, uh, in Southeast Africa, so they included Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Zam uh, not Zambia, Tanzania, South Africa. Part of our role was with another team was pulling new missionary teams together to go and reach unreached people groups in, in the African continent. And so part of our role was to look at character, uh, look at um, their giftings and their compatibility as a team. And it was, it was a tough role because you, don't, you can't play God. You're not looking for perfection in trying to form a team, but you're looking at the bigger picture. People moving into a community, learning language, learning culture, um, doing Bible translation. So we're looking long-term, 10, 15 years plus. So you want to have a team that's fairly compatible working together. Would you not agree? Yes, good, you're with me. So uh, it was... So we, we loved the role, but we also felt a huge responsibility. Because you don't want to be sending a team out and then you're constantly putting out relational fires, right? That just it takes away from the main thing. What's the main thing? Getting the gospel out, seeing churches planted, growing and maturing, seeing the Bible translated, seeing lessons developed in the heart language of the people. So again, you're not looking for perfection, but you, you want the main thing to be the main thing. You don't want to be always putting out relational fires. So sometimes you're not recommending people to team up. You're not recommending the team up to go into ministry. I'm not saying God can't work through the differences. He does. And there's the need to resolve conflict all the time, right? But sometimes if you're putting teams together and all you're doing is putting out fires, the job's not getting done, so to speak. 
So again, there's nothing wrong with, with having differences in ministry context, but we've got to keep the gospel the main thing. That's the thing that we need to focus on in relationships. So Paul and Silas, now, they come through Derby and Lystra, and they meet this amazing young guy, Timothy, already called a disciple, a disciple of Christ. He has an incredible grandmother, Lois, and a mother, Eunice, who not only raised Timothy to love the Lord and serve him, but they invested in him spiritually into his life. And as far as you know, his father, being Greek, was not a believer. That's sort of what you pick up from the text. But his mother and grandmother had invested into Timothy's life. And if you want to know more about Timothy and his life and, and his relationship with Paul, um, but read, read First and Second Timothy, and then you'll get a, a beautiful picture of the relationship there and the qualities of Timothy as a young man and in ministry. And uh, 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, verses 2 to 5 says this, uh, Timothy, a beloved son, this is Paul writing, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience and as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of you, of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And then when I come to remember the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul's writing to Timothy here. He's reflecting back, encouraging him of his heritage and the investment that his mother and grandmother made in him. And obviously, Paul invested a lot into Timothy as well. So we're thinking of discipleship here, okay? So keep that there. Think of the word investment. That's what you're doing when you're discipling your family or whoever the Lord brings along your path. So Timothy had the faith, had a faith that was rooted deep in the truth of who God is. It was just not a religion for him. He had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But Timothy would have um, been limited to partake in synagogue stuff as he was not circumcised yet, and we'll get to that in a minute. And he would have been excluded from many areas because he was from a mixed marriage, Jew and Gentile. But you can be sure, because of his upbringing, Timothy's identity wasn't in what people thought, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone into ministry. None of us would be doing what we're doing. But his identity was in Christ and in Christ alone. And that's where his confidence was anchored. It was anchored in Christ, not in his cultural upbringing, but it was in, um, it was in Christ. And his mother and grandmother had poured into him the spiritual knowledge that he had. And obviously, they lived it out in front of Timothy. So the mother and grandmother lived out their lives, not just by words, but by action. So it's a great lesson for us as grandparents, mums and dads, eh? It's a great lesson for us. How are we investing into our children? The privilege that God has granted to us to have children and to raise them. Yes, we live in, uh, in a challenging world and it's not going to get easier, 
sorry to say, but God requires us to continue to invest into our children no matter. So the key, there's three key areas that we need to do, and I've already said them quite a few times, three things, invest, invest, invest into our kids, into our family. <coughs> so the investment Paul made into the life of Timothy paid off. As we read further into the epistles, he became a leader of the church in Ephesus in his young age. And it was like a huge responsibility that he had, but Paul had confidence in leaving him there, continuing the discipleship of the church and seeing them grow in maturity. And then uh, Paul also continued investing into Timothy by writing letters. So like I said, you can read some of the other epistles where Paul is writing to him and encouraging him in the ministry because the ministry wasn't always easy. There was challenges along the way that Timothy had. And Paul knew, being in ministry, that he needed continuing encouragement. So today we can encourage people as well, can't we? We can either visit, we can reconnect with them, we can do a Teams or a WhatsApp no matter where you are in the world, you can connect with people through, through those channels. So we try to keep up with, the, with Dave, Dave and Julie are in ministry now, keeping up with them, Dave, Dave Moore. But, you're, but we're all in ministry, right? But yeah. And then uh, the Paynes and then the Campbells and those in ministry, we can keep up with these guys and encourage them. Okay, verse 2. And it says this in uh, Acts 16.2. And he was well spoken of, this is Timothy, of, of the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. So another interesting factor about Timothy, and a good thing to note when choosing a church leader or somebody going into ministry, is do they have a good reputation? Do they have a good reputation? I think it was Dan, Dan V that um, spoke about it, in, was it in Acts 2 or 6? Uh, when the six deacons were chosen, that's Acts, Acts 6, uh, they were looking for people of a good reputation, people that were faithful, that could follow through on the ministry that they were given and the practical functions of the church community. And then uh, Paul writes about it in uh, 1 Timothy 3.7 uh, when choosing leadership. It says here, moreover, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, inside and outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So one of the qualities of a leader, of somebody going into ministry, is that they have to have a good reputation. And they saw that in Timothy. It was evidence in the community and in the area where he lived. Uh, so thus, uh, it was obvious Timothy, as a young man, had proven that he was a man of integrity, honesty, faithfulness, perseverance, humility, love, and etc. And he'd be a great guy to have on a team, don't you think? Would you like to have a Timothy on your team? Are we investing in a Timothy? Or a, um, not just but ladies, you know, who, we, who are we investing in? So I suppose the challenge is for us, under the power of the Holy Spirit and his guidance, are we aspiring? Are we aspiring to be like a Timothy? 
somebody with those character qualities. It's like the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, and so on. But not just aspiring to do that in the church context or in ministry, but wherever we go, mowing lawns, building something, engineer work, wherever we are, are we aspiring those character qualities? And we, cannot, we can't live them out in ourselves, can we? It's the Spirit of God that enables us to live out those attributes. So verse 3. Uh, Paul wanted to have him go, Timothy again, with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So Paul wanted Timothy, his co-worker, in the gospel. Um, he has this unusual request. And you picked it up, right? Tim, Timothy, you need to be circumcised. But, okay, I don't know what was going on in Timothy's mind. Maybe he understood, and I, I think he did. But remember the Jerusalem Council earlier, where, okay, you don't have to be circumcised anymore. You don't have to follow these rules and regulations. But, you know, there was, there was some, like, don't, uh, you need to abstain from idols. Uh, no more sexual immorality outside of your relationship with your, with your wife or your husband. Stay away from meat strangled and animals with contaminated meat. So stay away from those things, but all the other paraphernalia, circumcision. So here is Paul requesting Timothy to be circumcised. Well, like I said, I think Timothy understood. He had, a, he had the bigger picture and he knew he had Jewish blood in him. And he's going into ministry with Paul. And remember, he was a reputable person. People knew him uh, in his area. So thus to be effective in ministry to the Jews and even entering a synagogue and opening up the Torah and reading the prophets, he would have had to be circumcised to have permission to even do that. And we know Paul's heart... Paul's heart was to see people reach for the gospel as well, right? And the Jews particularly, well, his ministry was mainly to the Gentiles, but being a Jew, he had a heart to reach his own people. They needed to be saved as well. So for the Jews to have an ear to hear the gospel from Timothy, he would have needed to be circumcised. Remember in Acts 1.8, the commission, ye shall be my witnesses, Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the world. What was Jerusalem? Mainly Jewish, right? So the gospel was going out to the Jews. Judea was also a regional area where mainly there was Jews. There was Samaria where there was mixed Jew, Gentile. And then there was the uttermost parts of the earth, all ethnic groups. So the need to be all things to all men is important. But how you do that is very difficult. That's why we need the Spirit of God's guidance in it and to be sensitive. A little while ago, I think uh, myself and Dave, we, we talked about it in our messages. Um, I don't think. I know we did. <laughs> uh, we talked about contextualizing the gospel, making it appropriate, making sure the communication of God's word is appropriate to the audience we are sharing with. And interestingly, some, interestingly sometimes a physical presence that we portray sometimes will affect the way the word of God is received 
and those of us that have lived in different contexts around the world, uh, we understand, and sometimes we learn the hard way, the importance of how we present ourselves. So like in many of the, many of the countries that I've worked in in Africa and visited and preached in and whatever, if I didn't have a tie on, straight away the audience would be cutting off. Like it'd be daylight today, even hotter, a lot more humidity, but if you didn't have a tie on or a jacket, it can take away um, the effectiveness of how people will receive the gospel. Now, you might think that's crazy, get over it, but if you want to be effective communicator for God's word, sometimes you need to just bear with those things. Or even taking the, the front pew here, uh, because you're a special guest coming in, and if you refuse it, then it could be like, hey, you refuse that, so we're not going to listen to you now. Um, if Maria had come in with a dress above her knee, they'd be like, oh, look at the pastor's wife. So things like that, you have to do your homework beforehand. Um, oh, Maria's not here, so I can talk more about her. But um, she's got two earrings here. She used to wear a toe ring. And people questioned her Christianity in some context that we were in. So, so that's pretty tough but in it for us. But if you want to be effective in, in communicating God's word, sometimes it means like, okay, I'll just take the toe ring off. Or if you had a tat or whatever. I don't have tats, but if you did, it can be offensive to some. So what do you do? Or... Um, uh, as a Christian, going to shake a Muslim woman's hand. Well, you wouldn't do that, actually, because that's very offensive for a, like a, an infidel to touch uh, a Muslim woman's hand. And, and if you push it, you know, your hope of sharing God's word with them can be, yeah, can be taken away because it's very, very offensive. So just understanding a few things. So you know what I mean by appropriating the gospel, contextualizing it, it's important. And you think, well, they're in our country. Well, they should respect our culture, whatever. Yeah, sure. But how do we, how do we behave and, and do that as, as believers? It can be sensitive. So there's so many things to learn about in appropriating and sending the message of the gospel out in a, in a clear way. So what Paul is saying to Timothy, if you want to be a good communicator of the gospel, you will need to be circumcised to have an effective ministry to reach them. So that when you get into the synagogue, you can read the Torah. You can read the prophets to them. And um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 19 to 23. I, I won't read it all. Or maybe I will, but um, I've got up there. Yeah, thanks, Sherman. Um, so I understand this verse so much better when you, when you read the scriptures in its entirety and you know the different events taking place you can see why paul wrote this for though i am free from all men i made myself a servant of all we could just stop right there so that was paul's heart obviously to get the gospel out because he says that i might win the more might see more people saved but he says i want to be a servant to all so i might have to dress differently i might have to be circumcised well he was but he, he might have to act differently, eat this food that he didn't like. And then it talks about, and then in verse 22, 
uh, to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. See his motivation? His motivation is to see people come to know Christ. And then um, he became all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the sake, for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. So everything Paul did and encouraging others to do was motivated to get the gospel out there, to get the good news out to those that had never heard. And then lastly, uh, Paul talks of Timothy and discipling him as a, as a co-worker in the Lord. And um, I won't read it out just for time's sake, but 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 15. If you ever get one of those moments where you can read through First and Second Timothy, <clears throat> you'll, get a, you'll get a great glimpse of, um, of the relationship that they had and the effectiveness of their ministry. Okay, um, verses uh, 4 and 5 of Acts. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decree to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So verse 4 takes us back to the Jerusalem council in in, um, Acts 15, where Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas were sent out by the church to take the letter, take the decree decree to all the existing churches and the new ones that were being established. That Jew and Gentiles now are all equal under Christ. There doesn't need to be any more rituals, ceremonies, events, including circumcision for the Gentiles, to be equally saved. They all have the same identity under Christ, who is the head of the church. So they faithfully did that, and the outcome was that the gospel went out further, but also, listen to this, that the churches were strengthened and encouraged. So they went back, visiting the existing churches, sharing the decree, the relief, oh, we don't have to follow Jewish ritual anymore. We are now free to follow Christ as we are. But they, So they increased and were strengthened. So the importance of encouraging churches, and especially the ones that you've been involved with in the past, it's so important because people have invested into you, people have invested into me, and going back and encouraging and equipping and giving a word and season is so important. And we've, we've found that the importance of reconnecting with people that you've been associated with. Like we went to the church reunion back in Victoria um, two weeks ago. We, we reconnected. There was, there was strengthening of the body of Christ, even though we're all over the place. But there was strengthening. There was encouragement. Um, I talked to the guys in, in South Africa over WhatsApp or when I'm there. We, we, we encourage it to mutual encouragement and strengthening. Uh, the guys in, in Panama, I try to connect with them. Actually, you can pray about that because I've lost all their numbers. So, and yeah, so I'm trying to get reconnected with them. Because um, just a bit of um, personal testimony. Um, so we, we lived in Panama for eight years, part of a church plant there. So, and we've tried to go back periodically. The last time we were back was 2017. So when I was preparing this, I was saying to Maria, you know what? I think, I think I need to go back. I think I need to go back and see how the church is going 
and then so we can mutually encourage one another because when we went back in 2017, it was not in good shape, the, the fellowship there. Not to say I can fix any problems, but just, you know, like a foreigner, like I think in Proverbs, there's a foreigner coming in, bringing a word of encouragement is, is a huge blessing. Don't quote me on, on that, but that's, that's the gist of it. And so that's something that I'm working through and dealing with at the moment in my mind. Is that God's will? Is this the Spirit of God calling me to go back and spend some time there? So visiting and in strengthening the churches. There's nothing like a refreshing word of encouragement or good news from someone who you've spent time with, who is special to you. So the Macedonian call, verses 6 to 10. Now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing through Mysia, they came to Troas, and the vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood pleading with him, saying, Come, come to Macedonia and help us. Now after they had, after he had heard the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us there to preach the gospel. So you got where Macedonia is over there. So as I said earlier, with the Lord directing us from Thailand to Panama, there was no formula there that, that we could follow. It was more of a process of praying and seeking Holy Spirit's guidance, asking other mature believers and waiting on the Lord, and they're moving by faith. And a lot of the time, they're moving by faith. It's an action, and a lot of times you're just moving into the unknown. You don't know the outcome, but you're believing God and you're moving moving forward so in verse 6 um, it says where the holy spirit prevented paul and the others from going into asia we don't know exactly why the holy spirit stopped them at that time and how he did that but i do know that these guys were in tune they were in tune with the holy spirit they were they were listening they were ready to go and do what he wanted him what he wanted them to do they weren't idle in any way they, their desire was to obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way. So that's what they were doing. They were listening. But it didn't stop them. They kept going. They kept moving forward, asking God, what's next? So they came to Bithynia, and the same thing happened. Okay, Lord, we can't go there. What's next? Keep going. So then they come to Troas, over in the western part there of, uh, of modern-day Turkey. And this time the Holy Spirit gives Paul a vision and it's a very vivid one of a man from Macedonia saying, come, come and help us. So the question is, does God give visions today to direct us? Well, I can't answer that one because I've never experienced it. I've never had a vision of God saying, go here, because I would have loved God to show me. Like here it is all laid out like writing on the wall, whatever, please, Lord. But it, he doesn't work like that. So, But I'm not saying that he can't use visions to direct and guide us. But if you look at the context of what we're talking about here in Acts, and the theme of Acts is that the gospel, it's the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. The miracles, the visions, the healings 
were all to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Those aren't, they're, they're, they're not, they're important, but they're not as important as getting the gospel out to the ends of the earth. So have you ever meditated on God's word? You ever spent that time just asking God, what's next? Just praying and saying, Lord, where, what do you want us to do? What, what, what do you want for us as a family or as a church? We just spent some time fasting. Uh, Mick challenged us about that. What, what are some of the things God has said to you during that time? What has God been speaking to you about? I know times when I've done that, the outcome has not always been clear. Uh, but he has given me a peace to move forward or to wait. Or sometimes there's just a stop sign there. Everything I try, I can't, I can't move forward. Uh, and a lot of the times it's, okay, Lord, what, what's next? So it's a tough one. It's, 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 it's a grey area. There's no black and white uh, of what to do. But you've got to be in tune. You've got to be connected to the Spirit of God to allow him to move you. Does that make sense? It, it's like, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But it's a tough one. But he does direct, I believe it, because it's evident in our lives. So even though Paul and his team didn't go to Bithynia, the Lord later sent them there. And it's obviously it wasn't the right timing. And that's another thing too, God's timing in moving to places. So they didn't go then, when they were heading in that direction. God stopped them, Spirit of God, and then they went later on. So it was God's timing. Sometimes we jump the gun and we say, I'm just going anyway. I don't care what, what my conscience, you know, what God is saying in my conscience. Or sometimes we procrastinate. Or sometimes we just disobey God as well, don't we? When, he's, when we know that he's speaking to us. So many of the big decisions in life, for us as a family, as a couple, we have sought the Lord through fasting, through prayer and fasting. We get others to pray along with us for that accountability. It's, it hasn't been through a vision, but by becoming vulnerable, I think this is where it struck me, I become vulnerable to the Lord and allow him to direct you, to steer you. And then in verse 10, we're getting to the end, folks. So in verse 10, now after he had seen the vision, listen to this word, immediately. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us there to preach the gospel to them. So the we here, I believe, indicates the rest of the team, Silas and even Luke, were in agreement with the vision, as Paul shared it with them. They were in agreement with the vision obeyed the Lord, and they went to Macedonia. So it was a joint decision. You see the, the accountability, the communication in making the decision to go, all for the sake of the gospel. And again, that's a theme that we've been talking about. It's getting the gospel out to the ends of the earth. That's the motivation that Paul had and the others. It was getting the gospel out. It was the gospel plus nothing. That's what motivated them. Because we know they got thrown in jail, they, they, were, they were beaten, they, you know, you read the life of Paul, shipwrecked, etc. So it wasn't the, the glamour, the adventure, was it? No, it was for the sake of the gospel. 
We know that with Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20, making disciples, even though that was given to the disciples of Jesus at that time, but that is, we appropriate that to ourselves. It was a command. It wasn't like if you feel like it. It's make disciples, invest in people, make Timothys, see people saved. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as well. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's who we are as believers. That's our identity, is reconcilers of the gospel, bringing people to Christ. So getting the news out there is what it's all about. But then another area that we touched on today was strengthening the church. Where does God want us to strengthen the believers? You might not have been involved in a church plant or whatever, but we're all being involved in ministry of some sort, I'm sure. So how can we encourage one another, strengthen one another in the ministry that God has called us to? Listen. Listen to the Spirit of God. We live, we live hectic lives. We live busy lives. And I know even for myself, I'm, I'm not tuning in to the Spirit of God. I'm not doing it as often as I should. So tuning in, taking the time. How can God direct us if we're so busy? Because we've just got our blinkers on and we're just chung. Okay, so I'd like just to close with a hymn. It's called The Calling. And uh, it's by Laura Kelly Fanuki. So I'm not going to try and do the tune, okay? Just, it, won't, it, won't, it won't work. <laughs> I've tried. Just, you, can, you can see the words there. For all that we are called to, God, we give thanks this day. For people, partners, places, at home, at work, and play. You gifted us for our calls as you make the world's needs known. Bless us with the strength and courage to serve where you show, where we are shown. For those who need our work, God, the ones that we're called for, we strive each day to serve them, to give and love them more. Vocation is for others, lives given in exchange, the good of all your children, our common hopes and dreams. For all that we are called from, transitions we must face, when journeys end or changes course, we must turn away. The old and the new both challenge. We question, though you guide. Be with us through our leaving. Lead us by. Lead, lead to others' side. The people we are called as, diverse and none the same, creative for vocation, baptized and called by name. To witness as disciples our universal call, yet each uniquely serving the God who cares for all. To you, God, we sing praises, the one who calls each one, transforming and inviting, you call and we respond. Creator and Redeemer, spirit-stirring song, your Trinity uniting to call our whole life long. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you, Father, that you have all called us in the, into the ministry of reconciliation. 
And Father, we've seen today in your word again, we've been reminded of the need to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Lord, whether it's our neighbor, whether it's our, our, the people that we work with, uh, Lord, whatever context here or abroad, help us to be faithful to the call that you've given to us. Lord, thank you for the examples in your word. Thank you for the example of those that have gone before and how you have been faithful in their lives, Lord. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your grace. Help us to be grateful in everything that you do for us. Thank you for the privilege again of having your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have it in our language. We have so many resources at, uh, before us. We are privileged people, Lord. Help us to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of your grace each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. If you'd like to check out more of our teachings, please visit ccn.org.au forward slash teachings.